All right, so I want to talk about church history a little bit tonight. Is that okay? Can I do that? Don't fall asleep on me. It's only going to be a couple minutes. All right, so I was considering a question this week, and I was just wondering, and I haven't wondered this, or I have wondered this question many times before, but the question is, why do we not see in the modern church, like, or why don't we see the church operating in power like we see in the Gospels and in the book of Acts? You know, if you look in the Gospels, you see that Jesus was healing people of crazy diseases. He's raising the dead, casting out demons, just going gangbusters, bringing heaven to earth, all right? And then in the book of Acts, Jesus commissions his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. And they go and they preach with authority. They do the same thing. They raise the dead. They cast out demons. They heal people of diseases. And, and the reality is, is we don't always see that in the modern church. You know, it says in the book of Acts, that, that signs and wonders followed those who believed. Do we see signs and wonders following the church today? That's a good question to consider. And so I was thinking about that this week as we're preparing to talk about the baptism in the Spirit. The question is, why did those things stop happening in the early church, or after the early church? Why did that happen? Why in many of our churches today do they not teach on things like spiritual gifts? Okay, so spiritual gifts, there's a couple different kinds of spiritual gifts. Okay, there's the the more charismatic spiritual gifts, like prophecy or speaking in other tongues or uh, getting a word of wisdom for someone. God gives you something to share with um, another person. And then there's also uh, the more like ordinary gifts. So like administration is a spiritual gift. So if you're really good at doing administration, maybe that's something that the Holy Spirit has given you. Praise God for that. But also there's generosity. There's actually leadership. So God gives people the spiritual grace to be a good leader. And uh, yeah, so in the early church, we saw these charismatic gifts taking place. But then as the church became more of an institution in the 500s around then, 300s when it became the official church of Rome, and then it became what we know today as the Catholic church, and uh, it began to move like uh, the ministry that is given to all people. That began to just be moved to priests and to people that uh, were actually in full-time ministry. So we see this shift begin to happen, and if that shift happens, if, if, or if, or if uh, the ministry is only for me to do, or for Jason to do, because we're in ministry, then all of a sudden we don't need the spiritual gifts anymore, because we don't need you to prophesy to each other, or to speak in tongues and interpret it, and we don't need you to build each other up, because it all comes from me. If it's all coming from me, then I don't need the spiritual gifts, because I'm just going to teach you, I'm going to do that, and that's why we began to see the spiritual gifts cease. Yeah, that's why we began to happen. And then in the 1500s, there's the Protestant Reformation, the church reformed, but, but still we didn't quite see spiritual gifts begin to take place. We see like traces of it throughout church history. We see this thing called spirit baptism in the book of Acts, which is what we're talking about tonight. And there's traces of that throughout church history, but in large part, denominations were not teaching on this. But then in 1906, okay, so not that long ago, okay, 1906, you may wonder, okay, so if, if people weren't teaching on spiritual gifts, the spirit baptism... Uh, just wasn't happening throughout church history. Why do we do it now? Because now it's more common. If you've been around different kinds of churches, you may have seen someone speak in tongues. You may have seen uh, someone prophesy, or you may have seen someone be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That happens more now, and that's traced back to the early 1900s. At the turn of the 20th century, there's different revivals that began to break out throughout the world. It was crazy. It was happening at the same time. There was a revival in Korea. There was a revival in Australia. There was a Welsh revival, and there was also a revival in Los Angeles. Okay? It's called the Azusa Street Revival. In 1906, there's a group of people that came together, 
and said, hey, we see in the book of Acts, we see that these disciples experienced this thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in other tongues. That's what would happen. They would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then they would speak in tongues. And we'll look at that tonight. But let's seek this together. And none of them had experienced it to that point. They said, hey, this is in the Bible, and I'm not going to let my experience dictate just what I believe about the Bible, but instead I'm going to let the Bible inform the way I live, and now I'm going to seek this baptism in the Holy Spirit. So these people got together, they fasted for 10 days, and then someone was filled with the Holy Spirit, and that person spoke with tongues, and then it began to spread. There's this great revival that happened in Los Angeles. And then out of that, because in Acts 1-8, Jesus says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he says you'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit so you can be my witnesses. Okay, so these people receive the power of the Spirit, and then they actually take it in action, and they go to the nations. And today, if you look at church uh, statistics, the church has actually moved from Europe and America, like, or centralized here. Now, the church is actually predominantly in uh, South America and Africa and Asia, because these missionaries went out full of the Holy Spirit, and they began to minister to the nations, And we've seen this incredible growth in the church throughout the last hundred years. And that can be traced back to these people that said, hey, we need power. If we're going to do this, if we're going to reach these people, we need power. And that's what we're talking about tonight. It's in our series called Sent. uh, It's called Sent because God has sent us to the campus. God has sent us to go and make disciples on the campus. And I thought, if we're going to talk about going to our campus, we cannot skip over the Holy Spirit. Because we need the Holy Spirit if we're going to reach out to our campus effectively. So Matthew 28, 19 says this, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hey, my iPad came back on. Praise God. Let's see if it comes up. All right, so anyways, he said that. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. That's a pretty big task. Okay, we're supposed to make disciples of all nations. And then Jesus doesn't just say, hey, go do that. He says, I'm going to give you power to do that. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, the title of the sermon is this, Empowered by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. So as we continue our series on mission, let us talk about how the Holy Spirit can help us in reaching out to our friends. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to do something tonight. We're going to trace the story of the Apostle Peter to see how the baptism of the Holy Spirit transformed his life and then to see how it can apply to ours. So if you go to Luke chapter 22, I really hope you have your Bibles because I think it will help as you're flipping through the pages and seeing this throughout. Because if you have grown up in a church that doesn't believe in these things, then this will be very new to you, and that's okay. That's completely okay. Guys, six years ago, like, I was completely in your shoes. I came to Chi Alpha. I grew up in a church that did not teach on it. And I was like, what in the world is baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is speaking in tongues? That is weird. And then I experienced it myself. And I was like, once I experienced it, then I was like, all right, all right, like, this completely changed my life. I have to go with this. So I pray that you'd be open tonight as we explore that. Praise God, the iPad is on. All right, so we're going to read Luke 22, and just a little background on Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, and he was really Jesus' right-hand man. But Peter had some issues, okay? He was a loud mouth. He would say exactly what he was thinking all the time. Some of us struggle with that. Yeah, we say exactly what we're thinking. And, but even deeper than that, just before Jesus was crucified, he denied Jesus three times. He was supposed to be Jesus' best friend, but he betrayed Jesus, and he said, I don't know the man. So what we know from Peter is he was pretty timid. So let's read that story quick, Luke 22, 54 through 62, if you have your Bibles, and it says this, it just tells that story. It says, then they seized him and led him away, bringing him 
into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance, so a little scary cat, kind of creeping behind. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man also was with him. But he denied it. He denied it. He said, he said, woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, certainly this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Think about that moment. The Lord, his best friend, his Lord, his, his bud, he looks at him. And they have this moment. And Peter remembered, because Jesus had predicted that this would happen. And Peter remembered this. And he went out and wept bitterly. Okay, so Peter denies Jesus. Jesus gets put on a cross. He's crucified. Jesus gets put in a tomb. And then he rises from the dead. Okay, that's kind of crazy. We can't gloss over that. He rises from the dead. Come on, y'all. If that really happened, that should change some things about our life. Okay? He comes back from the dead. And then Jesus comes and talks with Peter. He forgives him. It's an incredible story. You can read about it in the last chapter of John. But uh, then in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, if you're going to go and tell people about me, you're going to need power. So it's Luke chapter 24, verse 49. So you just flip two chapters over if you want to go there. So Jesus is about to leave earth, and he says this. I love this. You guys are flipping your pages. It's, I feel like I'm like a professor. This is fun. All right, so anyways, he says, And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city. Jesus says, Do not go anywhere. Do not try to make disciples until you are clothed with power from on high. He said, Don't try to do this mission without my power. Okay, and then in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, and then verse 8, which is weird that... The Bible is not put where Luke and Acts are together because actually it's the same book. It's like two halves of the same book written by the same person. So it's like a continuation of Luke. But you have to flip over John. So skip John and go to the book of Acts. And this is Acts 1, 4 through 5, verse 8. It's kind of reiterating what Jesus said before, but I think it's important to read it. It says, And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In verse 8, this is the kicker. This is important. He said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he says, wait for power, because once you get that power, you'll be able to take the gospel to the nations. And now today we're sitting in Cedar Falls, Iowa, talking about Jesus. And what if they would have not waited on the Holy Spirit? Because they needed power to advance the gospel in the midst of Roman persecution. Like, we'll read some of that tonight in the book of Acts, but they needed that power. Because if they didn't have it, they were going to crumble. I mean, look at Peter. He's denying Jesus to a servant girl. Like, he definitely needed some power. Okay, he was a chicken and a rooster crowed, so there's that too. But anyways, that was a bad joke. Okay, so we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. So the disciples, they go into the upper room, and they pray, and they wait for the Holy Spirit. They do what Jesus told them to do. And the day of Pentecost comes, which is a Jewish holiday where people come together and it draws Jews from all over to come to Jerusalem, the capital city. And the disciples get filled with the Spirit. So let's read that. Acts 2, 1 through 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. It kind of reminds me of tonight. We're all together in one place. We're here. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. I was hearing some wind earlier. I don't know about you. There's a storm. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. 
and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them. I didn't see that, but, you know, worship was pretty good, so we can just call that divided tongues as a fire, and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Jewish people who are watching this happen, okay, there's this group of people, they're praying, they get up, they start speaking in these random languages, and there's people from all over the world there, and they can hear them speaking in their languages. They're like, holy cow, how are these people speaking in my language? How do they know my language? There's no way they could know it. And they're also speaking in heavenly languages. And so they're doing that, and they're wondering, what is going on? And someone thinks that they're drunk, which is silly. Like, you don't learn a language because you're drunk. But anyways, but the important part here for our talk tonight is what Peter does. Okay, so people are standing there. They're confused. They think they're drunk. Peter gets up on a rock. He's just like, I'm about to preach because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Something happened in Peter. Let's read what happened with Peter. Verses 14 through 18, so we're going to skip ahead a little bit. Still in chapter 2. But Peter... Standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice. It's just his voice is booming, and he addresses them. He says, Men of Judea and all who dwell in, in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are, are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So he points to an Old Testament prophecy. See, Joel, an Old Testament prophet, had prophesied that this would happen that the Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. Because what happened in the Old Testament is the Holy Spirit was only given to certain people for certain occasions. So prophets, priests, and kings would get the Holy Spirit in random times for like a special occasion. But Joel prophesied that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. So Peter's like, this is what Joel was talking about. So verse, uh, let's see here, verse 17. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Ooh, visions, I like that. Prophesy visions. And your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. So male and female slaves, even on them, I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. See, ministry goes from prophets, priests, and kings and gets put into the hands of the people. And why did those gifts begin to seize? Because we began to take it out of the hands of the people again and just give it to a few people, a few special people. But Jesus says that I want the Holy Spirit to be activated in everyone's life. I want you all to be in ministry. Like, I'm not the only one in ministry here. When you go out on the streets on campus, you are in ministry. And you need the Spirit of God to give you power. You need His Spirit if you're going to be an effective minister of the gospel. It's not just me who needs the Spirit. We all need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was promised for us. This is amazing. And then it says in verse 41, so going down the end, and if you read that sermon, oh my gosh. Peter's preaching. He's just dropping bombs. You should read it on your own time. That's one thing I want to encourage you tonight. Like, I can't go through this all on my own tonight. Like, we don't have enough time. But please, like, write down these scriptures and explore on your own, because I don't want you to just agree with what I'm telling you that scripture says. I want you to go on your own and study it and see, is this what God has for me? Okay? Because that's important. It's important that you feel good about it, that you feel like scripture is telling you that as well. So verse 41 says, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were Added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. He preaches and 3,000 people get saved. I want to see 3,000 people get saved here. Come on. The Holy Spirit is what we need if we're going to reach that many people. The Holy Spirit empowers Peter. He goes from being this timid man to being a guy who preaches the best message that the world has ever seen, and 3,000 people get saved. Come on. I want that power. That Holy Spirit is available to us just like it was available to Peter. Isn't that amazing? All right. So the main idea tonight is this. If we want to reach our campus, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. If we want to reach our campus, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need what they had. Because here's what we believe. We believe that if it happened then, then it can happen now. 
That's one of the core beliefs of Kyle. But we believe if that was available to them, then it's available to us. We don't believe that healings and casting out demons and all these things were just for the early church. We believe that God has called us to also operate in power and to bring heaven to earth. So if we want to reach our campus, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Come on. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, I'm going to pray over that tonight, and we're going to get into it a little bit more. All right, Jesus, I just pray that you'd be with us as we continue to look at your word. I pray that you would speak to us tonight, God. Not me, not my ideas, not a church's idea, but, but God, your ideas. And I pray that your scripture would just preach to people tonight and that they would see the truth that you have more for us than just being a good person and just doing the right things and being a Christian. God, you also have power for us. You promised us power. So God, we love you. We thank you. In your sweet name we pray. Amen. All right, so I only have two points tonight, okay? Only two. The first one's really, really kind of long. Okay, so I'm kidding. It's not that long. But anyways, two points. First thing is this, and I was given main idea, and then two points or three to kind of break down the main idea. Okay, so the first thing is this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift that gives us the power to boldly tell our friends about Jesus. If we're going to truly be a sent people to our campus, then we need to be equipped with all that God has for us. God does not want to send us on a supernatural mission, because this is supernatural. We cannot change hearts on our own. We talked about that last week. We are not God. There's two great facts of the universe. There is a God, and you're not him, okay? So we're going on this mission that's supernatural, all right? And we need God to be in it if we're going to actually complete it. So he didn't want us to go ill-equipped. He wanted to give us the power we need for the spiritual battle. We cannot simply persuade people with some winsome words and some wisdom to get people to follow Jesus. No, we need power. People are looking for a demonstration of power. They're saying, put your money where your mouth is. Show me saying, show me, this is true, show me. And I'm telling you, if there's a people that can go on this campus and be activated and pray for people to be healed and pray for God to show up and that begins to happen, people are going to start believing. I'm telling you, this generation, like what I've found in this generation of college students right now, you know, when I was in school, and it wasn't that long ago, it was like six years ago, but I feel like it's shifted over these six years. For me, it was more people were like looking for scientific explanation, like show me why science and the Bible fits together. We can do that, like it does, it can work. Trust me, we'll talk about it some other time. But like what I've seen, and maybe just like my experience, but I feel like this generation of kids coming through school and coming through college, like they're looking for something spiritual. They're saying, show me that there's something else out there. That's what I've noticed. That's what I've personally seen. And I feel like if we go out there and say, our God is real, and we're activated in the gifts, and we see God moving on the campus, that's when this campus will be reached. But until we get there, I don't know if our campus will be reached. Because if we're just doing good things and being good people, that's great. But there's some really good people who aren't Christians. Like we need to also have power. Does that make sense to you at all? All right, so Acts 2, or 22 through 24. Uh, I'm just going to read this quickly here. So Peter, we talked about him, how he was timid, and then he had power. And I want to read just a little bit about his sermon, okay? Just hear the boldness in his voice as he preaches this, okay? This is after he gets filled with the Spirit. It says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with, with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him, in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Get this. He says, you crucified. You crucified. And you killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Come on. That's the guy that was just saying, woman, I don't know him. I was saying, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. You crucified him, and he rose up. It's the same thing. There's got to be something supernatural that happened there. Peter received this experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit and was changed to be a truly bold witness for Christ. So I want to answer some questions about the baptism of the Spirit because this may be new to you or maybe you've heard about it but you don't have 
a great understanding. So I'm going to just ask a few questions that I think you might ask me. And we're just going to go through it. Okay, so first thing is this. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? What is this thing? What are you talking about? Like, it's for power, okay, but, but what actually happens? And, and I'm going to try to answer these questions. There's five accounts in the book of Acts that talk about spirit baptism. There's Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, and Acts 19. So I'm going to try to base it all on Scripture. But the first question, you know, what is the baptism in the Spirit? And the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's a gift. It's not something you earn. It's something God gives you that draws you closer to Jesus. It helps you overcome sin, and it helps you to operate in power. And the primary purpose of it is to help you have power. So Luke 3.16, this was prophesied about before Jesus came in the New Testament as well. John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water. So he's the one who started baptizing people with water. But he says, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Some of us have been baptized in water, but we haven't experienced this baptism in fire. And if you're getting baptized in fire, you're going to know it. Okay, that sounds pretty crazy. But he says you're going to get baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So you have to remember, though, every Christian has the Holy Spirit. So if you're thinking right now, like, hey, I thought Christians have the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do. This is something different. Every Christian is given the Holy Spirit when they put their faith in Jesus. That's a gift to each one of us. But Jesus promises a greater immersion in the Holy Spirit. I think immersion in the Spirit is a good way to think about it. If you think about just a bottle of Coke, okay, it's full. Okay, it has the Coke in it. So for us, Christians, we have the Holy Spirit in us. But then you shake up that Coke and you open it up. And then all of a sudden it starts to fizz out and it's going outside the bottle of Coke. That's kind of like uh, just what I like to think of with the baptism of the Spirit. Like, we have the Holy Spirit. But God kind of shakes you up, and you uh, start to just be bold in your faith, and you start to overcome sin, and the Holy Spirit just has his way in your life. You think about the word baptize, okay? So we probably all know about baptism in water if you've born up in, or grown up in the church. The word for baptism in the Greek is baptizo, okay, baptizo. And that word means to be immersed or submerged or dunked. So when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're being immersed with the Holy Spirit. You're being submerged in the Holy Spirit. You're being dunked in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is having more of his way in your life. I love what John 7, verse 38 says. It says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I think that's kind of a picture of the baptism of the Spirit. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Maybe you're a Christian in this room and you've been struggling. Like you struggle to get passionate. You struggle to stay consistent in your faith. And I would say, why don't you seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because for me, I'm be vulnerable right now. I've shared this before, but some of you may have not heard this. You know, for me, I was a Christian all my life, but from the time I was 12 to I was 18 years old, I was addicted to pornography. Looked at it every single day. But I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, which this immersion, and it changed. It broke off my life, and I didn't look at it anymore. It was like this, it got snapped off my life because I was immersed in the Spirit. The world was having more of its way in my life than God was. But then I was baptized in the Spirit, and it changed things. And I'm not saying that will happen for everybody. Like, God works differently with different people. But I'm saying, like, the baptism in the Spirit works. Like, there's amazing things that come when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. The second question, who is the Spirit baptism for? Like, like who is this for? And the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for all Christians who seek it. And we see this throughout Acts because we see the Jews are baptized in the Spirit in Acts 2. See, the Samaritans, who are like half-Jews that the Jews hate, are baptized in chapter 8. And then we see that Paul is baptized in Acts 9. That's just one person, so I didn't need to say that. But Acts 10, the Gentiles are baptized in the Holy Spirit, so non-Jews. And then Acts 19, the Ephesians are baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it's for everyone who's a Christian who wants to seek it. And some of you in this room, I've had conversations. Some of you say, hey, I'm not ready for that because I need to like figure out my life more. Like, I need to 
get the sin out of my life first. I need to be in a place where I'm ready for that. And here's what I would say. In the book of Acts, what we see is people get saved and then they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's very close together. Sometimes it even seems like it's almost the same time of salvation. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what helps you to be the person that God's called you to be. So don't put off a gift from God because you want to figure things out when God's wanting to give you the gift so you can figure these things out. Does that make sense? Like we're saying, hey, like, oh, like I want to figure this out. And God's saying, hey, I can help you. We're like, nah, nah, I don't really want it yet because I need to figure this out. And God's like, hey, I want to help you. So tonight, let God help you. Like let him baptize you in the Holy Spirit. All right, next question. When can I receive the baptism of the Spirit? So what we see throughout the book of Acts is the baptism of the Spirit, although it can be very close to conversion, it always happens after conversion. Some people teach, and if you've come to this conclusion, that's completely okay, you're still a Christian, but some people teach that, that the baptism of the Spirit happens at conversion. And to what I would say is look at Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 19. Every single time these people are Christians who have already believed in the name of Jesus, they've been baptized in water, and then they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It happens after salvation. So I would encourage you, if you've been told that baptism in the Spirit happens at conversion, just consider it again. Just take a look again. I'm not telling you to change your mind, but just look and see what the Scriptures have. For instance, in Acts chapter 8, verse 15 through 17, just track with me here, it says, who came down and prayed for them. So Peter and John are coming to pray for them. I'd love to have Peter and John pray for me. Come on, that's so good. For them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. So they've been baptized in the name of Jesus, but then they laid their hands on them after salvation, and they received the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 19, we see a, a similar thing. They say to him, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what baptism were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism, baptism of repentance, you know, going in the water, coming out. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they're baptized again in the name of the Lord Jesus, when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So it happened afterwards. They laid the, he was baptized, and then they laid their hands, speaking in tongues and prophesying. So I encourage you, explore these accounts on your own. There's no pressure tonight to completely agree with me. Just take a look at them and see what God might have for you. Okay, then the next question I have tonight is, why do I need the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm really glad that you asked that question, because I, just, I was hoping you would. And... <laughs> So the main reason that we seek the baptism of the Spirit is for power in our witnessing about Jesus. I said that, but in Acts 1, Jesus tells us to wait for the Holy Spirit so we can be his witnesses. So we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be Jesus' witnesses. But there's other purposes for this as well. The, the filling of the Spirit can draw you closer to Jesus. It, it gives you a prayer language, so you get given the ability to speak in tongues, which sounds really weird, but it's actually really, really cool. Like you get a language that you didn't know before, and you get to pray that between you and God. It helps you to overcome sin. But an important thing to, to understand about the baptism, you know, I say, why do I need it? I want you guys to understand this. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it does not make you a better Christian than those who are not baptized in the Spirit. You get that? Like Peter, when he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, he didn't say, all right, I'm way better than them now. No, Peter was just better than Peter was before. So like Billy Graham, an amazing man of God, amazing man of God, has, has reached way more people than I probably ever will, like, any, like anywhere close. That man has does not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not trying to trick you. Like, there's people who don't believe in it. But he operated in great power. But here's what I would say to that. I think if Billy Graham was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I think he would have operated in even greater power. You get that? Like, like because for me, like, who I was before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit to who I am now is a complete change. That doesn't mean I'm better than Billy Graham now. Billy Graham is gifted in amazing ways. God has gifted him for a specific purpose. And God's gifted each person in this room in different ways. And it, so it's not a contest between who's been baptized and who hasn't. So if you get that mindset, you've gotten completely wrong. 
It's about you becoming the person that God's called you to be. Does that make sense? All right. So I think there's another question I have, or actually you have for me. So the question is this. You guys are so good. These questions you texted into me, that didn't happen. All right. So how do I get this thing? Like, how do I get the baptism? Like, All right, this sounds cool. I want it. Like, how do I do it? And I'll say this. Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus is talking. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So all you have to do is ask. God knows how to give good gifts. He wants to give it to you. It can be simple. It doesn't have to happen tonight. It doesn't have to happen at a fall retreat. It doesn't have to happen when the band's playing super loud. It can happen when you're in the shower, like, Jesus, can you please baptize me in the Holy Spirit? You might get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like, it, it, it's happened before. There's a girl in our ministry who her dad's a pastor, and it happened for him that way. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit in the shower. That can happen. But all you have to do is ask. So, like, if you seek it tonight and you don't get it, like, that's okay. Keep seeking it. And if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean you're off the hook for seeking it. We're going to talk about that in a second. But you need to continue to seek the filling of the Holy Spirit. You need to continue to ask God. All right. So something else I'm going to say about what happened. Okay, so what happens when I receive it? Okay, sorry, I'm trying to look at my phone now. My iPad's freezing again. So what happens when I receive the baptism of the Spirit? This is what happens. You, or you get power, obviously, but, but something that comes along with it is you get the incredible opportunity to speak in other tongues. God won't take control of your tongue, but he will enable you to speak a new language that you did not know before. It could be a heavenly language. It could be an earthly language. Like I've heard crazy, crazy stories of people coming to the altar. They're getting baptized in the Spirit, and there's someone from a different country at the altar too, and the person's sitting over here praying in their language, and they're like, wait, like, when did you learn my language? Like, I don't know your language. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They started speaking in their language. Like, that happens. So you could get a different language, and that happens a lot. I've heard tons of stories. But also, you could just get a heavenly language. So I've Googled my prayer language sometimes. I probably shouldn't do that. Maybe that's sacrilegious. But I'm like, hey, is this a language? I haven't come up with anything. So it's probably a heavenly language. But maybe I don't know how to spell it. So that could be it too. But <laughs> so why do we believe this, though, about, about tongues? Like, is it just something weird? Like, are we a really quirky group? And the reason is we see it in Scripture. So I'm going to put up uh, some different... Okay, so there's five instances... As I said, and we can trace throughout these instances, they get baptized in the Spirit and they speak in tongues. There's just a connection there. There's something that happens. So Acts 2, 18, there's a mighty rushing wind. We saw that. There's divided tongues as a fire, and then they speak in tongues. So we read that one. And then Acts 8. So disclaimer, Acts 8, there's no tongues that we see. I'm just putting it on the table. I'm not going to try to trick you. There's no tongues. But here's what happened. There's a man named Simon who's watching this go down. He's a sorcerer, actually. Like, he does magic tricks. And, you know, these guys are having way more power than he is. So he's like, what's going on over here? And he comes up to them and says, hey, can I have what you have? And he, like, offers to pay them money for the Holy Spirit. And here's what I think. I think that if Simon noticed that something had to be going on over there, that, that, that just wasn't something warm inside. You know, if this was the only other story, I wouldn't say it was tongues. But we see in the other stories, all of them show tongues. So I guess that they start speaking in some weird languages, like, I'm going to buy that. That sounds amazing. And he goes over there and he offers to pay them for it. Okay, so that's just my conjecture. That's not in scripture. That's my conjecture. I'm looking at him saying this is probably what happened. But the kicker is the other instances. Okay, so Acts 9, Paul gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. It says he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And then later in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So Paul baptized in the Holy Spirit, given the gift of tongues. And again, it doesn't say he spoke in tongues right there, but we know that he had the gift of tongues. So a man that was baptized in the Holy Spirit could speak in tongues. Acts 10, it's clear. It says they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, 
they, let's see what it says exactly, spoke in tongues and they extolled God. Extolled is a really cool word for praise. Okay, so they praise God. Acts 19, again, let's see it. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. So if you look at these stories, there's Acts 2, they speak in tongues. Acts 10, they clearly speak in tongues. Acts 19, they clearly speak in tongues. Acts 8, something happens and they notice that it could be prophecy. I think it was tongues. It could be both. Who knows? But then Acts chapter 9, Paul gets baptized in the Spirit and he says, I speak in tongues more than all y'all. He's bragging. Paul struggles with bragging. You can notice that in the epistles. Sometimes he's like, I'm going to boast. You know, I can boast in myself, but no, I should boast in the Lord. It's just funny to watch his internal struggle. So these people are humans too. Like I've been reading uh, some of that from Paul the last couple of days. I'm like, dude, you need to figure it out. Are you going to boast or not? So anyways, but uh, so Paul was boasting in that instance. He said he spoke in tongues more than everyone else. But yeah, so I was sharing a little bit about my story. You know, I came into Chi Alpha. I didn't believe in the baptism of the Spirit. And I went to Fall Retreat. And, you know, I hadn't really heard about it much, but, you know, I was really smart, so I knew, you know, like, I knew the truth. So anyways, I'm like, you know, tongues, you know, that's not for today, or if it is, you know, it's not like something that's connected to that. I didn't really know what I was talking about. But anyways, I'm sitting around a bonfire. It's on Friday night, so they hadn't talked yet about baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I didn't even know that Kyle would believe in this thing. And I'm debating, like, a pastor from a different school. What a jerk. What a punky freshman that I was. But anyways, I'm talking about, you know, I just don't think it's for everybody. I think it's, you know, just a gift that God gives to some people. And then the next day, on Saturday, they talked about the baptism of the Spirit. And it was the most clear explanation I'd ever heard. I'd been in a church that believed in it, but they never taught on it. Like, people would just start yelling out in tongues during service. Have you had that in a church service? Like, someone goes, oh, da, 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 da. You're like, what is going on? I'm scared. And nobody interprets it. Like, that's not biblical. If they do that, that's okay, but, they, but that needs to be interpreted. So if you ever speak in tongues in here, and it's not interpreted, like it's okay to do that, but if someone doesn't interpret it, that's outside the bounds of Scripture. Because Paul says, don't speak in tongues, it's not going to help anybody if you're speaking in tongues and no one interprets it, because that's not building anyone up, it's just building yourself up. Does that make sense? So anyways, I grew up in a church that had did that, but they never really taught on it. So I was just kind of negative towards it, because I saw the abuses of it. But on the Saturday of Fall Retreat, they gave this clear explanation, just showed me Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, Acts 19. I was addicted to porn, I struggled with timidity in my faith. I'm like, God, I need whatever you have for me. I don't care what it is, like, just give me something, because I need power. If they had it then, I want it now. And I came up the altar, it's right down the aisle, and I just said, Lord, give it to me. I began to pray, my tongue got heavy, like, he didn't take control of it, but I just, like, I felt his presence, I felt his presence on me, and I just began to speak. Spoken tongues is the most beautiful experience I've ever had in my entire life. It seems so weird when I'd hear other people speaking tongues, but for me, when I did it personally, it's so beautiful. And I laid at the altar and just prayed in that prayer language. And I've been praying in it ever since. I try to pray in it as much as I can. And it's something between me and God. And if you experience baptism in the Spirit and get this prayer language, it's something that you can pray with on your own. You can pray with that every single day. And it says that the Holy Spirit prays for what we don't know what to pray for. So like maybe, like, like sometimes, do you ever go into prayer time and you're just like, I have no idea what to pray for? Like you have a list maybe and you get discouraged halfway down like this is boring. Sometimes I'm like, God, I don't got nothing to say, but I'll speak in tongues. And I just pray. And it's let the Holy Spirit pray for me. So just like an athlete gets a bonus when he signs a contract, like the bonus is a good thing, okay? I kind of view that way with tongues. And tongues is not the point of spirit baptism. You don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus didn't say, stay until you get power from on high so you can speak in tongues. No, he said, stay until you get power from on high so you can be my witnesses. And it's like a bonus. God just gives that tongues to us. It's just something we see in Scripture. So anyways, I just want to encourage you with that. That's what uh, will happen. But, but explore the Scriptures for yourself and, and see what God would have for you. Be open to whatever God has for you. So whatever that looks like. And, and here's my last point today. And we'll close really quickly here. I'm going to finish it up. Uh, it's this. We must continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. We must continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So I said this earlier, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. Some of you are baptized in the Holy Spirit when you're at camp, like when you're a little kid or something, and you just think you're good. Like, I'm all good. Life is good. I'm, I got all the power I need forever. I don't need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't need to be filled. And then like you stop operating in power because you don't continue to seek what God has for you. And we see this in the book of Acts. We see that the disciples, they weren't just baptized in the Holy Spirit once. It, it wasn't just a one-time thing, and I'll read that in a second. But I want to read Ephesians 5, 18. Paul's, or Paul's writing here, and he says, Do not get drunk with wine. Should I preach on that sometime at Chi Alpha? Maybe. Anyways, I'll go on. For that is debauchery. I'm just playing with you guys. All right, so because we're on a college campus, people get drunk. All right, so, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, don't get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. I want to get drunk on the Holy Spirit, all right? I don't want to get drunk on wine. It ain't that good. And I, guys, I don't drink now. That was in the past. But anyways, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, when Paul says here, be filled with the Holy Spirit, really what the Greek means is keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's not just be filled once, but he says keep on being filled with the Spirit. So being baptized in the Spirit is not a one-time event. So in Acts 2, we see the disciples get baptized in the Spirit in Acts 3. This is why I wanted you to have your Bible. So if you have it open, go back to Acts 2. I want you to see this, this traced out here, okay? So Acts 2, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts 3, Peter and John go and they raise a beggar, a crippled guy. They raise him up. It's incredible. And then they get questioned before the authorities. And Peter, just like he was doing, preaches with boldness. He, he preaches with power. They get arrested, and then, and then they get released. So you see this happen. They get baptized. They're doing incredible ministry. They preach in the, midst of, in the midst of opposition. But then what do they do? Do they keep going? Like, do they keep saying, I'm just going to keep rolling. I'm just going to keep going off that first baptism. No, they come together, and they pray for another filling of the Spirit. In Acts 4, verse 29 through 31, it says this. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. They're praying. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. We need your help. We need your help if we're going to keep doing this. Like, I just killed it up there. Peter's like, I did amazing, but I need your help if I'm going to keep doing that. All right? And then while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They're filled with the Spirit again. That same group of people from Acts chapter 2, filled with the Spirit again. So if you came here tonight, and you're a Christian, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you thought, this night isn't for me, you're wrong. You're wrong. Because we need on being filled with the Spirit. And why do we need to keep on being filled with the Spirit? Because we leak. We leak. We stink. We struggle. It happens. We leak. We don't just always keep the Holy Spirit baptizing us. We, just, like, we can't keep doing it on our own. We need to keep on being filled with the Spirit. So I encourage you tonight, Christians, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, to seek it again. Say, God, I need your power. Guys, we need his power. If we're going to overcome sin, if we're going to be the sent ones to our campus, we desperately need the Spirit. So again, the main idea tonight is this. If we want to reach our campus, we need the power of the Spirit. We need the power of the Spirit. The reason we're talking about this during this series is if we're going to reach out to our friends, we desperately need everything that the Spirit has for us. There are 12,000 students on our campus, and 11,000 of them are not connected to campus ministry. 11,000 are not connected to campus ministry. And they desperately need us to come to them with power. But we struggle with timidity, just like Peter did. We struggle with sin. We struggle with being all that God has for us. And we need the Spirit to help us. Luke 11, verse 11 and 12 says this, And when they bring you before the, or before the synagogues and the and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you are to defend yourself 
or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. We need the Spirit to help us when we preach with boldness. We need the Spirit to give us the words to say. If we're going to reach this campus, we need the power of God. We need the power of God. So maybe some of you in this room, you've never put your faith in Jesus. And tonight you're like, what is this dude talking about? Like, what is this tongues thing? Am I in crazy town? Crazy for Jesus, okay? Maybe a little crazy, especially Ryan. No, I'm kidding. I love you. But uh, it can be a little crazy, but just because we're loving Jesus. But you're not really caring about the baptism of the Spirit right now, and that's okay. Like, you have some, or some other issues you want to talk about, and, and that's, like, uh, just where are you in Jesus? Where are you in Jesus tonight? And that's the most important thing. Where are you in Jesus? I want to ask you that. I want you to consider that. Where am I in Jesus? Like, how are we doing? And I want you to know that, that if you feel separated from God, if you're separated from God by your sin, which all of us are, if we haven't accepted Jesus into our lives. Jesus came, and he died for you, just as Peter preached so boldly. Jesus was crucified for you, and he rose from the dead. And all you have to do if you want to walk in relationship with God is put your faith in him. You just have to say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that, that God raised you from the dead. I believe that you died for my sins. And then in that, you can have a relationship with him through that sacrifice for you. And tonight, if you're a Christian and you've never experienced the baptism in the Spirit, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. This is an intense situation. We don't want this to be tense or full of pressure like you have to receive it right now. But I want you to go on a journey with God and say, God, I want more. God, give me more. And whatever that looks like, go on that journey with him. And if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you, keep on being filled with the Spirit. So we're going to close a little differently tonight. I'm going to pray for us. And then I just want to have some, just a little bit of quiet time, just a couple minutes just to be us in the Spirit. And the response team will be up here. So they're here to pray with you. There'll be a few on this side, a few on that side. And you want to pray with them just to, to receive more. It could be the baptism. It could, it could be something else. I encourage you to go and pray with them. But if you bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to just pray over two response questions, and then I'll let you have some time alone. So the first question I have for you tonight, if you would close your eyes, is, is if you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that tonight because that's the most important thing is relationship with Jesus. So if you're separated from God because of your sin and you need to be restored to him, I want you to do something just very bold and just raise your hand between you and God, saying, God, like I need you to, to come in and give me a fresh start. God, I need you to forgive me of my sins. So if you do that on three, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Just raise your hands. I see a ton of hands going up. All right, tons of hands going up. I'm just going to pray for this group that has their hands up. And can you pray with me if you didn't raise your hand as well? And if you did raise your hand, pray this in your heart. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer of repentance. God, we love you and we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for us on the cross. And God, we pray that you would forgive us. God, we pray that you would give us a fresh start. And God, we pray that, that we could have a, just a new relationship with you. God, we pray that you would come in and have a relationship with us. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for dying for us. And Jesus, we thank you for conquering death. You're so good, Lord. The second thing I want to pray for tonight, if you're in this room, and as I talk about just having more of the Spirit, maybe that looks like the baptism of the Spirit. Maybe you've been filled with the Spirit before, and you just need to be filled again. Maybe you just, just want to encounter the Holy Spirit. Can you just lift up your hand? Just, just slip it up so God can see it. God, I pray that you would see our hearts in this room. You can put your hands down. God, we want more of your Spirit. I sense your Spirit's presence so strongly during worship. God, you're here tonight, and we need to be filled with the Spirit if we're going to reach out to this campus effectively. So Jesus, I just ask you, by your mighty name, I pray that you would baptize us in the Spirit. And if we've been baptized with the Spirit, I pray that you would fill us again. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.